0: Linguistic
1: objects. Greetings from Cyberdelic Space This is Lorenzo and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon And to begin with I'd like to thank Guy, Benjamin, Steve, Timothy and Reblin for buying a copy of The Genesis Generation my pay-what-you-can novel in audiobook format Your donations are very much appreciated. And speaking of appreciation, I think that we should all spend a moment or two sending our love and good vibes out to the legendary alchemist who we simply knew as Owsley. As you already know, uh, Owsley died in an automobile crash in Queensland, Australia a little over a week ago. And if you aren't familiar with Owsley's work, uh, it might be worth your time to Google him. His full name was Augustus Owsley Stanley III, and I think it's safe to say that what we call the 60s wouldn't have been nearly as interesting without him as it was uh, thanks to the millions of doses of LSD that he and his assistants produced uh, in order to help us crack the cosmic egg of the status quo thinking that prevailed when that era began. So, happy trails, Owsley, and I hope you come back soon. Now, speaking of coming back... Today, at long last, we are going to hear yet another talk by the one and only Terrence McKenna. What I'm going to play for you right now is an interview of his that I found in the big box of tapes that Diana Slattery sent to me. And, uh, hey, thank you ever so much, Diana. I really appreciate it. Unfortunately, uh, the ink on the label somehow uh, became wet and got smeared on this tape, and so I don't have any information to give you as to the date or place of this interview, But I think that you'll find that, once again, uh, even though he may touch on themes we've heard from him uh, before, that the material somehow seems very fresh. There's uh, talk of extraterrestrials and ways that they may be trying to communicate with us, talk of shamanism and philosophy, and uh, all of which I think can be summed up in his statement when he says, There is an angel within the monkey struggling to get free, and this is what the historical crisis is all about. So, uh, in order to help us get today's historical crisis in a little better perspective, let's now join the good bard, Terence McKenna.
2: Well, do you think we're in a state of transition? Are we moving from
0: one culture to another? Oh, I think we're definitely in a state of transition. Uh, This is the chaos at the end of history. However, it's probably nothing to be alarmed about. I imagine it's simply the normal situation that prevails when a species is preparing to depart for the stars. Do you think we're preparing to depart for the stars? Well, on the scale of a hundred or a thousand years, I think it's an unavoidable conclusion. And uh, that span of time in geological terms is uh, hardly the wink of an eye. In fact, all of human history from that perspective appears as a preparation for human transcendence of uh, the planetary existence. Do we want to get away from the planet? Well, I think you have to take the view that uh, certainly uh, the planet is the cradle of mankind, but inevitably one cannot remain in the cradle forever. Uh... The human imagination in conjunction with technology has become a force so potent that it really can no longer be unleashed on the surface of the planet Uh, with uh, safety. The human imagination has gained such an immense power that the only environment that is friendly to it is actually the vacuum of deep space. It is there that we can erect the architectonic dreams that drive us to produce a Los Angeles or a Tokyo and do it on a scale and in such a way that it will be fulfilling rather than degrading. So, yes, I think uh, we cannot uh, move forward in understanding without accepting as a consequence of that that we have to leave the planet, that we are no longer the bipedal monkeys we once were, we have become almost a new force in nature, a thing of language and cybernetics and uh, an amalgam of computers and uh, human brains and societal structures that uh, has such an enormous forward momentum that the only place where it can express itself without destroying itself is as James Joyce says, up the end. So
2: long, long ago in the faraway galaxy, uh, Star Wars style may be in our future?
0: Well... As opposed to our past? It's in our present, I think. Our future is probably almost unimaginable because I think the transformation that leaving the planet will bring will uh, also involve a transformation of our consciousness. We are not going as uh, nineteen fifty style human beings. We are going to have to transform our minds before we are going to be able to uh, leave the planet with any amount of grace. This is where I think the psychedelics come in, because they are anticipations of the future. They seem to channel information that is not uh, strictly governed by the laws of normal causality, so that there really is a prophetic dimension, a glimpse of the potential of the far centuries of the future through these compounds, and... uh, No cultural shift of this magnitude can be unambiguous. I mean, the very idea that as a species we would leave the earth behind us must be as rending an idea as that a child would leave its childhood home. Obviously, it's a turning away from something that once left behind can never be recaptured. However, this is uh, the nature of going forward into being a series of self-transforming a sense of level and we now simply happen to be at that moment of ascent to a new level that is linked to leaving the planetary surface physically and to reconnecting with the contents of the unconscious collectivity of our minds. These two things will be done simultaneously. This is what the last half of the 20th century, it seems to me, is all about. Well, by and large, uh,
2: psychedelics have uh, really not been accepted into the mainstream. Do you see a change in that?
0: Well, not particularly. Uh, they uh, hold a certain fascination for a persistent majority, and in that way they do their catalytic work upon society, which is to introduce new ideas and to uh, uh, release a certain kind of creative energy into society. I certainly would not like to see a return to the the psychedelic hysterias of the 1960s, I think it's fine that these things are now the subject of interest of a much smaller group of people, but perhaps a group of people with a uh, greater commitment and a uh, better idea of exactly what these things are and it's really uh the same people it's just a smaller group of them and they have accumulated experience over the past 20 years uh however i certainly don't think all psychedelic frontiers are conquered one of the things that i write about and speak about are the phenomena that uh many people confirm with the uh psilocybin family of hallucinogens that no one has uh, included in the standard model of psychedelic drugs and by that i refer to the logos-like phenomenon of an interiorized voice that seems to be uh almost a superhuman agency a kind of genus loci And I've been writing recently about alien intelligence, which is what I call this, where uh, you have contact with an entity so beyond the normal structure of the ego that if it is not an extraterrestrial, it might as well be, because uh, its bizarreness and its... uh, uh, distance from ordinary expectations about what can go on is so great That if flying saucers arrived here tomorrow from the Pleiades, it would make this mystery no less compelling uh, It amuses me that the scientific community has taken over the search for extraterrestrial intelligence and uh, defined it uh, as they care to define it and have erected radio telescopes to search the galaxy for these signals. And the world's largest radio telescope is at Arecibo in Puerto Rico. And within the shadow of that uh, installation, uh, mushrooms grow in the fields and the cows munch quietly in the sunshine. And it's this marvelous inner penetration of... Uh, of the near and the far away because I believe that uh, the place to search for extraterrestrials is in the psychic dimension and there the problem is not the absence of contact but the uh, volume of contact that be, must be sifted through because the fact of the matter is shaman and mystics and seers have been hearing voices and uh, talking to gods and demons uh, since the Paleolithic and probably before. That doesn't mean that uh, we can rule out this approach to communication uh it seems to me far more likely that an advanced civilization would communicate interdimensionally and telepathically uh the amounts of time available for an intelligent species to evolve these kinds of communication are vast so i think uh, that it's very interesting then that the tryptamines psilocybin and dmt at uh, the 15 milligram level, very reliably trigger uh, what could only be described as contact-like phenomena, and not only the interiorized voice in the head, but also the classical flying saucer motifs of uh, the whirling disk, the lens-shaped object, the alien approach. Uh, This seems to be something hardwired into the human psyche, and uh, i would like to find out why i think it's a very odd uh uh fact of human psychology and i don't buy any of the current theories ranging from that nothing at all is happening to that this is in fact another species with a world around another star that is getting in touch with us i think it's something so bizarre That it actually masquerades as an extraterrestrial so as not to alarm us by the true implications of what it is
2: well your statement implies that it's something external to ourselves and I wonder about that
0: well this dualism of the interior and the exterior may have to be overcome it is obviously transcends the individual but I suspect it is something like uh, an overmind of the species uh, that actually the highest form of human organization is not realized in the democratic individual it is realized in a dimension none of us have ever penetrated which is the mind of the species which is actually the hand at the tiller of history it is no government no religious group but actually what we call the human unconscious but it is not uh, unconscious, and it is not simply a cybernetic repository of myth and memory. It is an organized intellect of some sort, and human history is its signature uh, on the primates. And it is so different from the primates. It is like a creature of pure information. It is made of language It releases ideas into the flowing stream of history To boost the primates toward higher and higher levels of self-reflection of it And we have now reached the point where uh, the masks are beginning to fall away And we are discovering that uh you know there is an angel within the monkey struggling to get free, and this is what the historical crisis is all about. And I'm, for no reasons in particular, very optimistic. I mean, uh, I see it as uh, a necessary chaos that will lead to a new uh, and uh, uh, more attractive order. Terence, you were talking about uh,
2: extraordinary realities and. It occurs to me that there's an enormous amount of prejudice against um, the psychedelics and the uh, use of hallucinogenic uh, substances. And um, it's almost as if there's an inordinate fear to open up the um, door to the closet that these substances uh, reveal. Um, what about that prejudice? What do you think is, how is that going to be
0: resolved? What is the resolution of that? Well, I think it's, uh, it's more complicated than a prejudice. It's uh, a prejudice born of respect because uh, most people sense that these uh, compounds probably actually do what their adherents claim they do. It's possible to see the whole human growth uh, movement of the 1970s as a wish to continue the inward quest without having to put yourself on the line the way you had to when you took 250 gamma of LSD. And I think all these other methods are efficacious, but I think it's the sheer uh, power of the hallucinogens that puts people off. Uh, You either love them or you hate them and that's because they dissolve worldviews. and if you like the experience of having your entire ontological structure uh, disappear out from under you if you think that's a thrill uh, you'll probably love psychedelics on the other hand for some people that's the most horrible thing they can possibly imagine they navigate reality through various forms of faith and I think uh, that the psychedelics uh, the doors of perception are cleansed, and you see very, very deeply. Uh, I spent time in India, and I would always go to the local sadhus of great reputation, and I met many people who possessed uh, what I call wise old man wisdom. But wise old man wisdom is a kind of Tao of how to live, it has nothing to say about these dimensions that the psychedelics reveal and uh, for that you have to go to places where hallucinogenic shamanism is practiced specifically uh, the amazon basin and there you discover that beyond simply the wisdom of how to live in ordinary reality there is a gnosis of how to navigate in extraordinary reality and this reality is so extraordinary that we cannot approach what these people are doing with any degree of smugness because the frank fact of the matter is we have no viable theory of what mind is either the beliefs of a Witoto shaman and the beliefs of a uh, Princeton phenomenologist have an equal chance of being correct and there are no arbiters of uh, who is right so uh, It's the power of these things the fact that here is something we have not assimilated We have been to the moon. We have charted the depths of the ocean the heart of the atom, but we have a fear uh, Of looking inward to ourselves because we sense that here is where all the contradictions flow together And uh, the same prejudice against psychoanalysis that characterized the 20s and 30s when it was thought to be uh, Uh, superfluous or uh, some kind of fad uh, Attends the psychedelics now it's because it touches a very sensitive nerve. It touches uh, the issue of the nature of man and uh, People are uncomfortable with this or some people are uncomfortable with this.
2: What is the value
0: of exploring the extraordinary realities? Well, I guess it's the same value that attends the exploration of ordinary realities. There's uh, an alchemical saying that uh, one should read the oldest books, climb the highest mountains, and visit the broadest deserts. Uh, I think that uh, being imposes some kind of obligation to find out what's going on, and uh, since all primary information about what is going on comes through the senses any drug or any compound which alters that sensory input has to be looked at very carefully i've often made the point that uh, chemically speaking you can have a molecule which is completely inactive as a psychedelic and you move a single atom on one of its rings and suddenly it's a powerful psychedelic Well, now it seems to me this is a perfect proof of the uh, inner penetration of matter and mind. The movement of a single atom from one known position to another known position changes an experience from nothing to overwhelming. This means that mind and matter at the quantum mechanical level are uh, all spun together. This means that... uh, In a sense, the term extraordinary reality is not correct if it implies a uh, division of category from ordinary reality. It is simply there is more and more and more of reality, and some of it is inside our heads, and some of it is deployed out through uh, three-dimensional Newtonian space.
2: Most of us, I think, just simply accept uh, the everyday reality as the only one. Uh, and and you're talking about uh, uh, journeys into the nether regions of uh, uh, which are far beyond most people's uh, conception
0: or even wanting to conceive of uh, such a reality. Uh, well, I think there's a shamanic temperament, which is uh, uh, a person who craves knowledge. Knowledge in the Greek sense of gnosis. In other words knowledge not of the sort where you subscribe to scientific American and it validates what you believe but immediately uh, cosmology is constructed out of immediate experience that are found always to be applicable. You see, I I don't believe that the world is made out of quarks or electromagnetic waves or stars or planets or any of these things. I believe the world is made out of language and that this is the primary fact that has been overlooked. Uh, The construction of a flying saucer is not so much a dilemma of hardware as it is uh, a poetic challenge and uh, people find it very hard to imagine exactly what i'm talking about what i'm saying is that the leading edge of reality is mind and mind is the primary uh substratum of being we in the west have had it the wrong way around for over a millennia but uh, once this is clearly understood uh with what we have learned in our little excursion through three-dimensional space and matter we will uh, Create a new vision of humanity that will be a fusion of the East and the West and The world
2: being made of language and I think of these extraordinary realities which are totally beyond any language that we <laughs> Use in any ordinary sense.
0: Yes. Well, they are beyond ordinary language I always think of uh, Philo Judaeus writing on the Logos, he, he posed to himself the question, what would be a more perfect Logos? And then he answered saying, it would be a Logos which is not heard, but beheld and he imagined a form of communication where the ears would not be the primary receptors but the eyes would be a language where meaning was not constructed through a dictionary of little mouth noises but actually three-dimensional objects were generated with a kind of hyper language so that there was perfect understanding between people and this may sound bizarre uh, in ordinary reality, but these forms of synesthesia and uh, synesthesia Glossolalia are commonplace uh, in psychedelic states Terence could you identify Phylos for us and tell him tell us who he was he was an alexandrine Jew of the second century who uh, made it his business to travel around the hellenic world and uh, Discussed all the major cults and uh, religious and cosmogonic theories of his day So he's a major source of Hellenistic uh, data for us. How
2: would you relate to uh,
0: Socrates view of the world? Uh, Well, I think uh, That uh, It's hard not to be a Platonist, but it's something perhaps we should struggle against or at least struggle to modify I think of myself as sort of a White whiteheadian Platonist certainly the uh, central platonic idea which is the idea of the ideas these uh, archetypal forms which stand outside of time is one which is confirmed by the psychedelic experience and uh, uh, Plato's formulation of time as the moving image of eternity is another one of these aphorisms that the psychedelic state confirms And certainly Neoplatonism, uh, Plotinus and Porphyry and that school uh, are psychedelic philosophers. Their idea of an ascending hierarchy of more and more rarefied states is uh, a sophisticated presentation of the shamanic cosmology, which is the cosmology that one experientially discovers when they involve themselves with psychedelics. What I think most of us don't understand or don't don't really know is the
2: fact that Greek culture and the Ellicinian mysteries um, incorporated the use of something that's very akin to psychedelics. Yes. And and essentially, Western civilization is based on the culture that uh, had at its core root um, an experience and a ritual that, that used
0: so say something akin to psychedelics. Yes, well, for over two thousand years, everyone who was anyone in the ancient world made the pilgrimage to Eleusis and had this experience, which Gordon Wasson and Carl Ruck have argued very convincingly was a uh, hallucinogenic intoxication on ergot. But of course as soon as the church solidified its power it uh, closed these platonic academies and uh, moved against uh, uh, ancient pagan so-called pagan knowledge and heretical knowledge and not only the platonists but all the gnostic sects uh, all of these people all of these viewpoints were repressed i like to think that uh, the end of that repression came in a very odd way when uh in 1953 i guess it was uh, gordon wasson and his wife valentina in the village of huatla de jimenez in the sierra mazateca of oaxaca discovered the psilocybin mushroom cult it was as if eros who had been martyred in the old world was then found sleeping in the mountains of Mexico and resurrected and uh the experience of the mushroom is very much the experience of a genus loci a a god on the grecian model not the god who hung the stars in heaven but a local god a uh a uh, pre-christian Bacchanalian nature power that uh, is is very alien and yet resonates with our Expectations of what that experience would be like Interesting
2: if the mushroom also was a symbol in our
0: culture of death and destruction being the symbol of the nuclear Explosion. Yes, well, A mushroom uh, cloud. My brother has made the point, asking, you know, what mushroom is it that grows at the end of history? Is it the mushroom of Fermi and Oppenheimer and Teller, or is it the mushroom of Wasson and Hoffman and Humphrey Osmond? Uh, Well, I think the latter is safer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it may not only be safer, it may open the way to escape from uh, the former. It's like a pun in physics uh, that the force of liberation and the force of destruction could take the same form. It's what alchemists call a coincidencia positorum. Mm, It is an amazing synchronicity, it seems. Uh, that
2: uh, Also, I was inter- interested in talking with Andy Weil some uh, time ago about the fact that there are new genus of mushrooms appearing that um, have psilocybin in them that have never been seen before, never been
0: um, tracked before, and it's almost as if they're appearing now. Well, it's amazing how many have dis- been discovered since people have bent their attention to it. There have been psilocybin mushrooms reported from England, France localities where, so far as we know, there is no cultural history of usage at all, or uh, however it 's interesting that uh Cultural usage seems to disappear very early in human history hallucinogens are hardly even welcome in agricultural societies uh, I think it was Weston Labar made the point that uh, Once you learn how to grow plants your God shifts from the ecstatic God of the hallucinogens To the corn God or the food God and it no longer is about uh, divining uh, the hunt and weather through the ecstatic use of hallucinogens It's about being able to get up every morning and go to work and hoe the crop so uh, it, You mentioned earlier the prejudice against hallucinogens. I think it reaches back uh, to the beginning of agriculture this competition among plant gods which exemplified lifestyles that must have seemed very, uh, very uh, alien to each other. Is psilocybin illegal? Oh, yes, it's a schedule one drug uh, without any public debate. Uh, it was placed uh, on the list uh, or at the same time that LSD was and yet the issue was always couched in terms of LSD being made illegal, but actually at that point in time a whole bunch of things were made illegal And there was never any uh, public debate. All psychedelics were viewed as the same drug And LSD was used as the model actually uh, these drugs, there's a spectrum of psychedelic effects, and certain drugs trigger some of them, and certain ones others. But yes, psilocybin is illegal. Are the mushrooms illegal? The mushrooms also are illegal, as they contain psilocybin. I recall
2: Andy Wells saying that he walked along a downtown Seattle residential street, picking up psilocybin mushrooms from the front yards of oh, yes. residential homes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And English law took the view that uh, it was preposterous to try and outlaw a naturally occurring plant, and they uh, took the position that only the chemical was illegal, which I think is a very, uh, very wise position. But I noticed that Canada recently chose the American interpretation over the British one.
2: Hmm, Interesting. Turns out, uh, going back to the Andy Weil
0: story, that... Uh,
2: the reason that these mushrooms were in such uh, plenitude in various locales in the northwest was that uh, their uh, spores were contained in a, uh, a mail order company's uh, um, mushroom-growing
0: uh, product that they sent out mail order, uh, and so. <laughs> yes, yeah, so well, this is an interesting uh, phenomenon. You see, the spores of the mushroom are not illegal because they do not contain psilocybin. They only contain the message in the DNA of the mushroom for the production of psilocybin So it's a kind of bizarre catch-22 the mushroom spores can move anywhere legally can be bought and sold But they are the sine qua non for the production of mushrooms, of course
2: parents the, the kind of knowledge and kind of information you're putting forward is Is not generally available. It's not the kind of information or knowledge that one would find in the typical academic anthropology uh, curriculum um, and yet it seems to be um, a knowledge that uh, is ever expanding but somehow it's, it's outside of the cultural institutional uh, entities in some way. Um, number one, why do you think that's the case? Of course there's a logical answer to that one but um, what do you see as the future of this kind
0: of information, this kind of knowledge Well, I think, in a sense, it signals the rebirth of the institution of shamanism in the context of modern society. And uh, anthropologists have always made the point about shaman that they were very important social catalysts in their group, but they were always peripheral to it, peripheral to the political power and actually usually physically peripheral living at some distance from the village. And uh, I think the uh, electronic shaman, the people who pursue these, the exploration of these spaces, uh, exist to return to tell the rest of us about it, that we are now coming into a period of racial maturity as a species where we can no longer have uh, forbidden areas of the human mind or cultural uh, uh, machinery we have uh, taken upon ourselves the acquisition of so much power that we now must understand what we are Uh, we cannot uh, travel much further with the the definitions of man that we inherit from the judeo-christian tradition we need to truly explore the problem of consciousness because as man gains power, he is becoming the defining fact on the planet in the near space area. So uh, the question that looms is, is man good? And then if he is, what is it he's good for? And uh, the shaman will point the way because what they are are uh, visionaries, poets, cultural architects, forecasters, all these roles, which we understand in more conventional terms, rolled into one and raised to the nth power. They are cultural models for the rest of us. This has always been true. The the shaman has access to a superhuman dimension and a superhuman condition. And by being able to do that, he affirms the trans, the potential for transcendence in all people. He is an exemplar, if you will. And I see the attention that's being given to these things signaling a sense on the part of the society that we need a return to these models. This is why, for instance, in the Star Wars phenomenon, Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, Skywalker is a direct translation of the word shaman out of the Tungusic, which is uh, so where S- Siberian shamanism comes from. So these heroes that are being instilled in the heart of the culture are shamanic heroes. They control a force which is uh, bigger than everybody and holds the galaxy together. And this is true, as a matter of fact. And as we explore how true it is, the uh, limitations of our previous worldview will be uh, exposed for all to see. I think it was J.B.S. Haldane who said, uh, the world may not only be stranger than we suppose, it may be stranger than we can suppose. I think of uh, the, char- the
2: <coughs> excuse me the character Yoda uh, certainly right. is a shamanic type character very much so. Uh, the um, as we talk about shamans and shamanism, again that brings up uh, cross cultural currents. And um, do you see the sh- the shaman taking on a new? Uh, certainly, you don't see Indian shamans walking uh, into the metropolitan uh,
0: areas. Uh, do you see the shaman taking on a new form? Well, I, th- I believe, uh, along with Gordon Wasson and others, but in distinction to Odd, who is a major writer on shamanism, that uh, it is hallucinogenic shamanism that is primary, and that where shamanic techniques are used to the exclusion of uh, hallucinogenic drug ingestion the shamanism tends to be vitiated it is more like uh, a ritual enactment of what real shamanism is so that uh, uh, the shamanism that is coming to be is coming to be within people in our culture uh, the people who feel comfortable with psychedelic drugs, and who, by going into those spaces and then returning with works of art or poetic accounts or scientific ideas, are actually changing the face of the culture. I connect the psychedelic dimension to the dimension of inspiration and dream. I think history has always uh, progressed by the bubbling up of ideas from these nether dimensions into the minds of receptive men and women it is simply that now with the hallucinogens we actually have a tool to push the button we are no longer dependent upon uh, whatever factors it is that previously controlled the uh, ingression of novelty into human history, we have taken that function to ourselves, and this will accelerate and uh, and uh, intensify the cultural crisis. But I think in the end it will lead that much sooner to its resolution.
2: So, as we uh, continue to... Uh Uh, Move towards the further exploration of these spaces um, We uh, can expect that um, Social change as a
0: result Personal change tremendous social change. I see in fact uh, What is happening is a tendency to? uh, What I call turn the body inside out We are through our media and our cybernetics. We are actually approaching the point where consciousness can be experienced uh, dis, uh, In a state of disconnection from the body we have changed we are no longer as I said bipedal monkeys we are instead a kind of cybernetic coral reef of organic components and inorganic technological components we have become a force which takes unorganized raw material and excretes uh, technical objects, we have... uh Transcended the normal definitions of man. We are like an enormous collective organism with our data banks and our forecasting uh, Agencies and our computer networks and the many levels at which we are connected into the universe our Self-image is changing the monkey is uh, all but being left behind and shortly will be left behind the flying saucer again I take to be an image of the future state of humanity it is a kind of millenarian transformation of man where the soul is exteriorized as the apotheosis of technology and it is that uh, uh eschatological event which is casting enormous shadows backward through time over the historical landscape that is the siren at the end of time calling all mankind across the last 10 millennia toward it calling us out of the trees and into history and through this series of multi cultural uh transitions to the point where uh the thing within the monkeys, the creature of pure language and pure imagination, whose aspirations are entirely, uh, uh, titanic in terms of self-transformation, that thing is emerging, and it will emerge as man leaves the planet, and it's not something quantized and clearly defined, it is in fact what the next fifty or so years will be about. But at the end of it, the species will be off-planet and transformed and fully wired from the depths to the heights. Are we just talking about another version of the Christian death, resurrection, ascension into heaven? Except that it is coming into history. What is happening is that uh, the, uh, the paradise promised the soul is actually going to enter into history because technological man took the Apocalyptic aspirations of Christianity so seriously that we are going to make it happen It has become the guiding image of what we want to be and I'm reminded of the poem by Yeats It's sailing to Byzantium where he speaks of how after death he would like to be an enameled golden object uh, singing To the lords and ladies of Byzantium. And it's the image of man transformed into eternal circuitry and released into a hyperspace of information where uh, you are a thing of circuitry, but you appear to be walking along an unspoiled beach in paradise. It is that we are going to uh, find the power to realize our deepest cultural aspirations. This is why we must find out what our deepest cultural aspirations are. Again, another way of phrasing the question, is man good? What about the idea that these spaces that we've been talking about, that
2: you've been illuminating, are spaces that can be achieved without the use of
0: psychedelics? Well, again, I scoured India, and my humble personal opinion is uh, that uh, it is highly unlikely. Uh, I have always approached uh, people of spiritual accomplishment with the question, "What can you show me?" Because, as I said earlier, this wise old man uh. wisdom is one thing, but only the the hallucinogen-using shaman of the Amazon seem to be able to go beyond that. Uh, there may be techniques for doing this, but uh, the efficacy and the dependability of the hallucinogens seems to me to make them the obvious uh, choice. It would only be a series of cultural conventions that would cause one to want to engineer around that. It is the obvious uh, path to transcendence. People must face the fact that at one level we are chemical machines that doesn't mean we are that at every level but it does mean that that is a level where we can intervene to change the pictures that are coming in and going out at higher levels
2: you're not suggesting that people should do
0: this by themselves they take hallucinogens Well, I don't know about take it by themselves. Probably not, although uh, I always do, and uh, I seem to prefer it. What I am suggesting is they take it in a situation of minimum sensory input. Lying down in darkness with eyes closed cannot be surpassed and people want music they want to walk around in nature they want all these things but nature and music are beautiful in their own right they are the adumbrations of the psychedelic experience that we deal with in ordinary reality in confrontation with the psychedelic experience these things are hardly more than impediments the very interesting things are happening in the utter blackness behind your eyelids lying still in darkness and uh, That is where the mystery uh, comes from and goes to my question had to do with with or without a guide Oh, I don't think people should do it without a guide unless they feel very confident From experience that they don't need a guide So I like to have these ideas get out I think it's important that we discuss all this in a way that is only now becoming possible because of how it was in the 1960s. Now we need to shed all that and look back and look forward and try to make a mature judgment for our culture based on the facts of the matter.
2: You're listening to The Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time.
1: As Terence said just now in closing... It's up to you and me to make a mature judgment based upon the facts of the matter. And as we all know, the so-called facts that the governments around the world are putting out about cannabis and our psychedelic medicines, well, they're almost all completely wrong. And uh, anyone who has ever had a few tokes of grass knows full well that this is not a dangerous drug without any medicinal value. Yet, that's what the screwheads in Washington and other world capitals are saying. However, as Aldous Huxley once said, facts don't cease to exist just because they are ignored. Also, uh, I'd like to be sure to point out that early on in this talk, when Terence said, the human imagination, in conjunction with technology, has become a force so potent that it really can no longer be unleashed on the surface of the planet with safety. Now, I suspect he was talking about things such as nuclear power, And at the present moment, of course, we can see how dangerous this technology can be when it's combined with a profit motive where cost-cutting measures are more important to corporations than is the safety of our people. But my guess is that by the time of Terence's death in 2000, he uh, probably would have revised that statement to reflect his uh, then-newly-growing fascination with virtual reality and cyberspace thanks to uh, what he was learning from Bruce Damer and other cybernetic pioneers. And so in my next podcast, I'll be playing part of an interview that Matt Anderson did with Bruce Damer for his Fall Winter documentary series. In it, Bruce expands on his thoughts about what he sees as the coming of a great crescendo. So, in the weeks ahead, we'll be spending some time with Bruce, and then I'll probably dip into the Timothy Leary archive for a bit more from The Good Doctor, and uh, then we'll get back to some of these other Terrence tapes that Diane so kindly sent for me to play for you here in the Salon. And so that'll do it for now, and I'll again close by reminding you that this and most of the podcasts from the Psychedelic Salon are freely available for you to use in your own audio projects, under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Alike 3.0 License. And if you have any questions about that, just uh, click the Creative Commons link at the bottom of the Psychedelic Salon webpage, which you can find via psychedelicsalon.us. And if you're interested in the philosophy behind the salon, well, you can uh, hear a little bit about it in my novel, The Genesis Generation, which is available as a pay-what-you-can audiobook that you can download at genesisgeneration.us.